walk through the Bible, Jesus in the 66 books of the Bible. Our introductory scripture for today, you know that every part has an introductory scripture. So introductory scripture from today, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It makes it easier. It's, it's, it's easier for me to explain from there so that there are no very complicated English words that I have to become an English teacher before a preacher. So Luke chapter 8 from 12 to 15 please listen to this carefully the seed okay so this is jesus interpreting explaining the parable of the sower so we have left the parable we are now looking at the explanation that jesus gave to the parable okay so he said the seed that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Hold on. Don't go ahead of me. Hold on. And prevent them from believing and being saved. So when you hear God's word, Satan comes to steal God's word from your heart so that it will prevent you from believing and being saved. Wow. It reminds me of a story. A story of a friend we had gone to fellowship. In the, in the 80s, we had gone to fellowship. And during those days, we used to carry very big Bibles. You wanted everybody to know that you are a born-again believer. So we used to carry big Bibles. How many of you uh, were born again in the 80s and used to carry big Bibles? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went around and we carried our Bibles. We went to church. So that very day was a Saturday evening, and the sermon. So we went to service a Saturday afternoon. Around five, it was closed. We were coming, and the sermon was living in peace with all men. It was very impactful sermon, and we all made resolutions to go and meet people. You were not in peace with to go and ask for forgiveness. Even if the person offended you, you go and ask for forgiveness. That was the conclusion of the sermon. So we purposed our house, we are going to do it. So this friend I went to the fellowship with, we were discussing it, how we were going to do it. Anybody we were not nice with, we were going to meet them. If somebody has offended you, we were going to forgive the person. We were excited about it. Then around that 5 p.m. in my community, there were different, different pitches, not like Astrotef, I mean Gravos pitches, where people played football. So you eventually walk among like people playing football. So suddenly a football hit my friend on the head, then he fell down. It was serious. Then he got up, took his Bible, then somebody was somebody came running to take the football from him. Then the person took the ball without saying sorry. Then when the person turned, he was going, he held him by his the shirt at the back. My friend was a strong, stout, short guy. So they're beating this guy in this red sand. They fell down the road on the ground. They really fought. People came and said separated them then when they separated them 
He was looking for his Bible because there was a crowd. People had just stepped on the Bible and all those things in the red sand. Cleaned himself, looking for eventually we found a big Bible. Took the Bible. He started cleaning the Bible as we were going. Was very furious. Was cleaning the Bible as we were going. Then he said, look, they have even made my Bible dirty. They have made my Bible dirty. Then me and my big mouth. I said to him, my brother, is the Bible you are worried about? It is the word Satan has stolen from your heart that you should be worried about. The sermon preached this afternoon at church was for us to go and make peace with all men. You just fought. You just fought with someone. Satan just took the word from your heart. Satan just took the word from your heart. Stop cleaning the Bible and start asking God for forgiveness. It is not this physical Bible that is important. It is what is in your heart that is important. And Satan has stolen the word from your heart. It happens. It happens. Sometimes, immediately I finish preaching, Satan will use every means to try to take the word of God from your heart. Because if you keep the word of God in your heart, you will believe and you will be saved. And Satan does not want you to be saved. So he fights the word of God in your heart. Several years ago, Pastor Nintesi told you this story before. There used to be this guy who was the richest guy in the church and used to actually support the church. He would print, teaching. And the guy was a good Bible teacher. So I used to let him preach, do Sunday school, and he would print his materials and come. And you, I thought I was blessed. I've gotten somebody helping me at Teshi together with Pastor Felix Tete and Co. The mommy and I had gone to chase four lesbians and they have gotten born again. For four lesbians to get born again and start coming to church. That was a crown for me in heaven. God was going to give me a crown. They were born again, coming to church. And they were very serious. They had renounced their ways. They were coming to church. So, after four months of chasing them, I asked this brother to not take over. Because the brother was good with the rudiments, the fundamentals of belief, of, of the doctrines of Christ. So go and start teaching them those things. Let them be established. If these four girls alone get established, then me and my wife coming to Teshi is enough for us. So brother, it's your turn. Go. Soon, these sisters were no longer coming to church as regular as they were coming. We went to find out. Apparently, the brother started going out with them. And now, now they were no longer lesbians. Now, they need men. And the guy was sleeping with one or two of them. And he had money, was giving them money. And I was doing a series on the message to the seven churches. And I was, I thought about Jezebel and fornication in the church and adultery in the church. Apparently, anytime I finished preaching, the guy goes to re-preach my message and interprets the message and tries to tell them, me, I don't know the Bible. 
and we preaches the message to them. <laughs> that was how they backslided. See, there are some of you, eh, when we preach, one of the things the devil does is to bring a brother or a sister to criticize the message your bishop has preached to you. Just to steal it from your heart. Just to steal it from your heart. Now, do you know that if anybody makes me look bad in your eyes, the attempt is to even steal the word before it comes. Are you here with me? If Satan anoints, anoints somebody and the person makes bitter statements about me to you and you begin to also have bitterness against me, no word I preach will remain in your heart. Satan will steal it before it even comes. So watch these things. Watch very carefully. Because if the word of God continues to have impact in, on your life and you keep it in your heart, you are a candidate for heaven. If Satan continues to steal the word, he's preparing you for hell. One day I'll preach a sermon how to go to, how to, go to hell through the church. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. How to go to hell through the church. How you can be deceived that because you are in church and you come to church and you serve the Lord, you are making heaven. Sometimes church can be one of the most dangerous places to be, I'm telling you. I'm telling you because you trust everybody. You trust everybody and you assume everybody is, is a Christian. But some are Satan's agents. I'm not talking to you, I'm talking to the next person sitting beside you. <laughs> now, look at verse 13. Now, the seas on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. You see, one way to survive temptation is to be rooted in God's word. To be deeply rooted in God's word. The reason why most Christians don't like teaching service is because Satan knows that if you are deeply rooted in God's word, you will face temptations and succeed. And overcome the temptation. You see, the purpose of tests from God is promotion. God tests you so that he can promote you. But Satan tempts you so that God will demote you. When you fall into temptation, you are demoted. And Satan knows it. Satan knows that a believer who has studied God's word and is carrying God's word and he is a believer of God's word and is rooted in God's word, it is difficult to tempt that believer or, or let that believer fall into temptation. You see, Jesus' temptation in Matthew was about God's word. Everything Satan asked Jesus to do, Jesus replied and said, it is written. It is written. It is written. And all the quotations Jesus spoke about was from the book of Deuteronomy. It is written. It is written. It means that Jesus himself has studied God's word. 
has studied God's word. The years that we did not hear of him, he had devoted himself in studying God's word. So when Satan tempted him after the 40 days of fasting and prayer, he did not succeed because he fasted and prayed. He overcame temptation because he quoted God's word. Because he quoted God's word. Now, 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 Jesus has said to us that the road is narrow and only few people travel on it. So the road to heaven is narrow and only few people travel on it. So if you like, watch teaching churches. The road in teach for teachers is very narrow. So you don't see them growing exposed, like explosively. Because that is what prepares you for heaven. Am I preaching? Is that sister listening? Is that brother listening? Are you listening to God's word? Because this is what will change you. This is what will change you. This is what will make you make heaven. God's word. God's word. Well, Constance, pastors, can we arrange? I want to dash everybody a Bible next week. Okay? I want to dash everybody a Bible next week. If the Bibles we have are not enough, go to a Bible society and see whether we can buy Bibles from there. I want to dash everybody a Bible next week. Or the Bible you brought from Bible school, Trinity, study Bible. I think it's solid. I want to look at it. I want to look, look at it and see what I'll give everybody a Bible. And, and, and it's symbolic. I want God to bear witness between me and you. Between me and you that I've taught you his word. And I've even physically handed some over to you. Now, now look at verse 14. The seed that fell among tongues represent those who hear the message. But all too quickly, the message is crowded out by cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow into maturity. If you like, look at every Christian who has been around church for a long time and still talks like a baby, behaves like a baby, complains like a baby, murmur like a baby, cry like a baby, and disturb the pastor, disturb everybody, breaks the focus of the church. You have been around the, un, under me for over 10 years. You should be preaching. You should be raising the dead. You should be doing exploits. You should be passing the church. And yet, you are still a baby worrying us in this church. Do you know why? Cares, riches, and pleasures. Those people, eh, they want pastors that will feed their greed. See, you preach a sermon that feeds the greed. I see you buying 10 cars. I see 10 cars in your house. Your father in all his life never bought a bicycle. You don't work. And yet you are shouting, Amen, for 10 cars. Your head will drive one. Your hand will drive one. Your right hand will drive one. I'm not saying having 10 cars is bad. But you labor for it. You don't get it by jumping. The number of things you have received, I receive it, I receive it. If it is real, like, like you don't have room to contain them. 
Am I preaching someone here? Am I offending someone here? No, no, no. I want to offend someone here. Because the message of the cross is an offense. If, if my message does not offend you, then I'm not preaching about the cross. Then Jesus is not the center of the message. It must offend you. So I'm intentionally offending you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to be offended. I don't like those who are not offended. I want you to be offended. Frown your face, frown your face. You are, you are smiling too much. <laughs> what I should say, people should frown their face. They are laughing. They are still laughing, you know. They are even increasing their laughter. Oh. <laughs> now, look at this. Uh, 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 this thing. And the seed that fell on good soil represents, represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. Hear good, good and honest people who hear God's word and cling to the word. And patiently produce huge harvest. I said, I got born again at 14. If you see me producing huge harvest today, don't envy me. I've held on to God's word. I've held on to God's word. The only thing that kept me on the sprinter's road in the first 10 years of pain and agony and poverty, abject poverty on the sprinter's road, the only thing that kept me here was what I heard from God. I held on to his word. I cling to his word. I impatiently waited for the word to bear fruit. Patiently waited for the word to bear fruit. I want you to patiently wait. Hold on to the word. It will never fail you. Everything will pass away. But the word of the Lord will never, will never under any circumstance, Pass away in your life. Hold on to it. Study it. Be a Bible student. Listen, you don't come to Bible school because you want to be a pastor. You come to Bible school because you want to know him. And serve him. And love him. Now, that's why it's important that I take you through the Bible to see where Jesus is in the, is the Bible. So, can we now go to the next slide? Let me show them in the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus. Last week, I bought a book of Genesis. Let me see whether I can, I can finish one or two or three or four of the books and then we are off from here. Are you ready? Now, in, in the book of Exodus chapter 12, Jesus is the, the Passover lamb. You remember the last... Okay, so, so, so I'm not assuming that everybody knows the Bible. So there was, there was a, a time where the Israelites were slaves in Egypt. And then God sent Moses to go and deliver them. When they went, Pharaoh was hard. He didn't want to let them go. Pharaoh fought God. He didn't want them to go. So they were, God punished Pharaoh with 10 plagues, 10 punishments. The last punishment was that God killed all the firstborns of the Egyptians. Male firstborns of the Egyptians. God killed them. The night before God was to send the angel of death, God told the Jews to kill a lamb and gave them other instructions how to eat it, how to cook it, and how to eat it. But key amongst them was that they should use the blood of the lamb 
to mark their doorposts. To mark their doorposts. The blood of the lamb to mark their doorposts. And the Lord said, when the angel of death passes through the land and sees a house with a doorpost, the angel will not enter. And the, the, the house whose, whose doorpost have been marked with the blood, the angel will not enter. So if that's where the, the Passover lamb came from. And that lamb that was killed, and that blood that was put on the doorpost, represented Jesus in the book of Exodus. So see, that's why if you are truly in him, your life is secured. You will not die before your time. And no evil will be for you. Your words will be salvation. And your gates will be praise. Are you here? I'm prophesying on you. That build a relationship with the Passover lamb. And your life will be secured. You will live long. Even in your old age, you will be healthy. Are you here? Evil will visit the land, but it will not knock at your door. Death will come to your father's house, but for the branch of your father's house, where you are, death will not pass there. The Passover lamb is Jesus. He is your Lord. His blood is so powerful and it covers your doorpost. The doorpost of your marriage. The doorpost of your business. The doorpost of your, of your life. is covered by the blood. Listen, we walk with God based on revelation, not based on reality. You limit God when you deal with God based on reality. You don't have money in your pocket. But yet he says, he became poor that you will be rich. That is revelation. That is not reality. So even though you don't have money in your pocket, you still say, I'm rich. They ask you, but you don't have money. You say, yeah, it's you who I don't have money. You are talking reality. I'm talking revelation. Move to that level of revelation. Can I speak? Now, in the same book of Exodus, Jesus is the light in Goshen. You see, in chapter 10, the Bible talks about one, one of the places was that the whole of Egypt became dark. A day like this, a day like this, suddenly it became dark. It became dark. Darkness caught them, caught them unawares. So, ECG put off the light. <laughs> put off the light. But do you know the only place where there was light? The city where the Israelites were living. Goshen. Arise and shine. For the light has come. And the glory of the Lord rises upon you Amen. darkness take darkness covering the earth but as for you light shines upon you Amen. listen darkness covering the earth and children are becoming very perverse you should not be afraid for your children you should not be afraid because you are in Goshen when darkness is everywhere light will shine upon you Amen. that light that shone at Goshen was Jesus. He's your light. He's your light. So they will lay their trap in darkness. But when you get there, the light will be on. <laughs> now, do, 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 do you know this light that is so sensitive? I don't know how they call it. The first time I saw some was 1996. I was going to a house in London. When I got there, I said, why is this place so dark? And then suddenly there was light. Boom! Then I panicked. <laughs> 
So the light that has a sense, when you get there, it comes on. That is how Jesus says. The world may be so dark and evil covers the earth. But as for you, wherever you go, light shines upon you. Have you been to a theater to watch a play before? You see that the person who is, who, who is acting has a spotlight. Wherever the person moves, the light is on the person. Wherever the person moves, the light is on the person. Wherever the person moves, the light. That is why, let, let, me, let me tell you this. That is why the man to marry you will see you. That is why your destiny helper will locate you. That, that, that is why I believe that the next big contract is coming to you. That is why I believe that the businessman with money looking for a partner is going to locate you. Because in the midst of darkness, there's a light on you. Wherever you go, that light is shining. Wherever you go, that light is shining. Wherever you go, that light is shining. It was that same light that was on Esther. Now the Bible said anyone that saw Esther, he found favor in their sight. They didn't know how they liked her. But in the realms of the spirit, there was a light on Esther. I said the light that shone in Goshen is shining on you. The path of your enemies will be darkened. But your path will shine. And will bright. You will not stumble and fall. You are secured. The stumbling blocks will not have you. You are secured. Every trap they will live on your feet. For your feet. The, the light of the Lord will expose them. When you live here today. The light of God will expose your enemies. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You don't light a lamp and put it under the bed. But on the hill. So that all will see. You are the light on the hill. Am I preaching? Am I telling someone here? Okay. Now, now. During their journeys. By day, they were accompanied by pillar of cloud. And by night, by pillar of fire. In fact, when you go to the book of Deuteronomy, the Bible, God talks about it. God said, I was, I was, I accompanied you. So this thing is not just, just a pillar of cloud, a pillar of fire. It was Jesus himself. By day, Jesus appeared as a pillar of cloud. By night, it becomes a pillar of fire and do, do you know he separated them from the those who were pursuing them i want to announce to you that in this journey of life where you are heading toward the promised land it may look tough it may look it may, it may look long it may look rough but he will never leave you nor forsake you in the fires he will be with you in the waters he will be with you and he showed it. He showed it. He showed it when they put the three Hebrew boys in the fire. When they got there, he was there. He was there. He was already waiting for them. He was already waiting for them. Before they light the fire, the Lord will be inside where? Waiting for you. Waiting for you. No evil. He said, in the waters, I will be with you. As the disciples, when the storm was, was, was about to kill them, who showed up? Jesus walking on the water 
I see him showing up. I said, I see him showing up. In the midst of that storms, I see him showing up. In the midst of that fire, I see him showing up. Your life will not remain the same. He will not abandon you. He will not forsake you. If this life called the Christian life cannot give you hope, I don't know what other life can give you hope. You may be hard pressed, but he is there. He says, I am your ever present help in times of trouble. I have seen him walk me through things. Uh, when, when, when I had thought everything was over, I have seen him showed up and walked me through things. How I got here, I can't say it. How I got here, I can't tell. But I know from the scriptures that he says in the wilderness, you saw how I carried you in my arms like a father carries his child. Ah, ah, ah. When they were thirsty, chapter 17 of Exodus, when they were thirsty, water came out of the rock. In the New Testament, that's in Corinthians, they said the water that came out of the rock was Christ. Was Christ. Let me tell you this. You can survive several days without food, but you cannot survive three days without water. You may die. You may die. 70% of the earth is covered by water. The rest of the 30% is covered by Ngolokante. Now, now, now. That, that tells us the importance of water. We survive because of water. How many percentage of your body is made up of water? 70% of your body is made up of water. So, me, as I'm here, 70% of me is water. That's what is keeping me alive. Please, let Jesus be the 100% of your life. Let him take control. He's the water that will bring you life. Bring you satisfaction. Bring you refreshment. Ah, ah, ah. When you are going to work and you are tired and you are sweating... I said those who don't like have, who don't like bathing, but those who like it, when you enter into that shower or whatever you use to bath, whether bucket or whatever you bath, whatever you, when you pour that water on you, wow, water is life. You see the peace that that water brings to you, that is Jesus. When you are thirsty and you get that cold water. You get that cold water. When we were young, all these um, awake and vortex, they were not there. It was in Shuayapunu. In there's a cooler. And then you put the, the chaff of the of palm. And then you burn it a little. And then it leaves a certain scent inside. And then you put the water in it. And then you cover it. And then when you are thirsty and you drink it. How many of you have drunk that before? Ah, all those who have done that before, they are born again. Because they understand the importance of good water. They understand the importance of good water. Hi -ya 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 -ya. So, I cannot see how Jesus can be in your life and in your heart and you are not satisfied. What else are you looking for? What else are you looking for? What else are you looking for? 
I, I, I went on a diet project. And the whole thing was about water. Every time period, I must drink four, 400 millimeters of water. Say, 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 I said to myself, maybe we're in my river. <laughs> but you see, the importance of water. Jesus was the water that came out of the rock. In the same Exodus, when the people were hungry, God rained manna. Exodus 16, God rained manna. Jesus was that manna. What can't he supply? And what need can't he meet? From today, I'm telling you. From today, I'm telling you. Food will not be absent from your house. No, you will not eat the crumbs that falls from the table. You will eat from the king's table. He will supply all your needs. For those of you who have never been hungry before, you will not appreciate the point I'm making. But for those of us who grew up struggling to eat almost every day, if it becomes... When, when I was in Teshin, there was this boy who used to come to serve me. And I was teaching him the Lord's Prayer. And we got to give us this day our daily bread. Give me this day my daily banku. Give me this day my daily fufu. My daily kokonte. Whatever it is, every day he will supply. He doesn't run out of stock. I pray. Let the treasure house of God be opened unto you. Ah, let the treasure house of God be opened unto you. As he was with them in the Old Testament, he is even better in the New Testament. The New Testament believer must know Jesus and relate with him more. Your life will change. Your testimony will change. Am I prophesying? Give me 10 more minutes. Let's move to the next book. Let me teach on this next week. I'll teach on this on Leviticus. And I'll show you the, because it's Thanksgiving Sunday. So I'll show you the, the, the offerings, the five offerings, and what it represents. And I'll show you that for God, eh, for God, everything is offering. You can't come before him empty-handed. And I'll show you how every single offering represents something. So I'll teach this next week. Will you permit me to teach that next week? So let's move on to the next one. Now, the book of Numbers. The book of Numbers. Now, as the people moved there, everywhere they, the cloud that moved with them, everywhere they settled and set up the tabernacle, the cloud came to cover it. And that was not just the cloud by pillar by day. It was the glory of God. That glory, that cloud that covered the tabernacle was Christ. So, so you see, that is in chapter 9 of the book of Numbers. Now, now, the reason why you are the temple of God, and therefore you must keep your body pure, is that when you keep this body pure, and you are the temple of God, the cloud of his glory covers you. I'm telling you, the cloud of his glory will cover you. You see, you must have a certain spiritual understanding. As I stand here, I am not just a human being. I am, I am the temple of God. The Holy Ghost lives in me. God the Father lives in me. God the Son lives in me. 
God himself lives in me. They have, they have made their dwellings in me. Hey, this is serious. This is a serious thing. And because I'm the temple, if I keep the temple pure, the clouds will cover me. And the cloud is a symbol of the glory of God. You will walk in his glory. Shame will never knock at your door. Disgrace will never knock at your door. Are you here? Do you understand what I'm preaching? Disgrace will never knock at your door. Shame will never knock at your door. I am, I am telling you something. The cloud of his glory will cover you. The Christian life may be difficult, but it gives you an easy life. Trying to be spiritually matured may be difficult, but at the end of the day, it will give you an easy life. Am I prophesying? Am I prophesying? In the book of Numbers, before the priest could go to the temple, the priest had to be cleansed by water. You know, in the New Testament, you are a priest. And the water that was cleansed and giving holiness and making the, qualifying the priest to enter the temple, that water was Christ. He purifies us. He purifies us. You yourself, you see, when you build close relationship with him and build close relationship with him, by the time you realize some things you don't longer commit them, then you one day you ask yourself, help me, pa, for one year having fornicated. Oh, one of my sons called me from Dubai. He went to Dubai for a number of days. He called me and says, Daddy, I want to thank you for your impact on my life. I said, what is happening? He said, Daddy, I'm lying in a top-class hotel in Dubai and I haven't arranged for a hotel to bring me a woman. He said, Daddy, in my previous life, every night a woman would have come. Jesus can change lives, though. When he purifies you, eh? he purifies you from inside out. Can I ask somebody a question here? Have you ever seen somebody go to, go to see a doctor and say, I'm a womanizer, I want medicine. I'm an armed robber, I want anti-armed robbery drug. So I don't go for armed robbery again. No, it's only Jesus that can change those things. He purifies you and changes you. Don't struggle with homosexuality. Don't struggle with lesbianism. Don't struggle with, with prostitution. Don't struggle with fornication. Don't struggle with weed. Don't struggle with, with, with any form of sin. All you need to do, have a closer relationship with him. Have a closer relationship with him. Have a closer relationship with him. He will purify you. He will purify you. He's the star of Jacob in, in chapter 24. And then he appeared as the morning star. That's why they call him the morning star. <laughs> Imagine if a star is your friend. You become a star yourself. One of Chelsea's um, footballer came, one of Chelsea's footballers came to town. Um, Hossein Odoi. Come and see how people wanted to. I saw one picture. Everybody wanted to come inside. 
They will add it to their CV. I took a picture. <laughs> I took a picture. When, when a star is your friend, the, the, the light of the star also brights on you. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Then the bronze serpent. Remember during their journey, they got to the desert and snakes were biting them. And then God made Moses to build a snake and hang it on a tree. And said, anytime a snake bites you, look at that snake on the tree and you'll be healed. So I was discussing with my son, Kevin. So why would God even do that? And then Kevin said, Daddy, but have you forgotten that? Every, this anti-serum, that he called it, anti-serum. A snake anti-venom, anti-venom. A snake anti-venom must come from the snake. A word a woman ye yifi. You see? A snake anti, uh, um, anti-venom. Is it anti-venom? I want to be sure. Or anti-snake venom. Anti-snake venom. Or anti-snake serum. Whatever it is. Eh? Venom. Anti-snake venom. They have, to, they have to take that poison from the snake, isn't it? And weaken it. And inject you with it. So like, like, the, like the coronavirus. Eh? It is a virus itself that they have taken. And they are weakening the virus. And then when you go for the injection, they inject the corona in, inside you. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they inject the corona inside you. But once they inject the corona inside you, because the corona is weak, your antibodies are able to fight the corona. And once that corona, the real corona has woken your antibodies up, now your antibody is ready to fight corona. So when the strong corona comes, your antibody will fight it. That's why we, we all these things, that's how COVID. So before these things happened, eh, before anti this, if I COVID vaccine, before all those vaccines, God has already done it already. He said, when they bite you, look up. Look to the snake and to go. God has the anti whatever it is, anti-venom, anti-serum, whatever it is to your problem. There is no problem that you cannot lift up your eyes to the cross and look at Jesus. That will not be solved. If you are able to look at him, there's no problem that will remain with you. Can I ask somebody something? Do you know the Bible says that? Looking unto Jesus, the altar and the finisher of our faith. Who do you look up to in this church? Please don't look up to me, look unto Jesus. 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 In Deuteronomy, let me show you this in Deuteronomy that we are out from here. So next week, Thanksgiving, bring an offering because I'm going to teach something on offerings. And then if you don't bring an offering, then you will regret that. Ah, I should have. I should have carried your media Thanksgiving offering. Just measure your life and determine what God deserves. If he deserves one CD, put one CD. If he deserves one million, put one million. Whatever. In the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 1, alone, reveals Jesus in three ways. Number one, 
the Lord that goes ahead. And throughout the journey of the Jews, there was always something that was going ahead. There was always something that was going ahead. That was why the 40 years they spent on the wilderness, no nation conquered them. The 40 years that they spent in the wilderness, they survived. Because before they get to your city, something has moved ahead of them. You know, before I came to Sprinter's Road, Jesus had already come here to look for a place for me. He had already come here. Jesus had already come here. He had already come here to look for a place for me. All these places I'm buying, eh? All these places I'm buying. It's, it's, it is not me. Jesus came here ahead of me. He came here ahead of me. Even before I was born, he was already here. And God asked him, why, why have you gone to Bachuna? He said, because there's going to be a guy by name Titi Ofer who will go there for a mission. I'm going ahead of him. I'm going to hold a place for him. Ha. The year has not ended, but Jesus is already there. He's waiting for you in December. That's why this year will end very well for you. Can I tell you something about your future? Your future is secured. Your future is good. Because you know what I see ahead? I don't see trouble ahead of your future. I see Jesus ahead of your future. I see Jesus waiting for you. I see Jesus waiting for you. The will of God and the purpose of God for your life will be established. Will be established and it shall manifest. Your future is secured. Because he's gone ahead of you. I also saw that. He says, I went ahead of you to fight for you. Now Jesus is with you like a mighty warrior. He's with you like a mighty warrior. I've never lost a battle in my life. Oh. And the reason is that you can never get me to fight you physically. No matter what you do, provoke me any way, you won't get me to fight you physically. Because I know how I win. I know. I know how I win. Now there are a lot of teams who are trying to study Chelsea to see how we won the Champions League. When we were written off. Now, don't take anybody's victory for granted. If you are with a sister or a brother in a church, and you see that sister or that brother is making it, and that person's relationship with God is legitimate, and that success is a legitimate success. You know, the Bible talks about good success, and there's also bad success. If we cheat to be successful, it's a bad success. If the success is good, study the person's secret. And you always know, you always know that Jesus is fighting for that person. Are you here? Finally, he's in the book of um, Deuteronomy, he told them that he went ahead of them to fight for them and to search for a place where they will pitch their tent. God is something, oh. He, sent, he actually sent Moses to go and tell the Jews that I want to take you to a land praying with milk and honey. The journey, our relationship with God is always about where God wants to settle us. God is a God of settlement. He cannot walk with you. I don't, I don't know. God meets Abraham and the first thing he says Abraham is about land. Leave your father's house and your mother's house and I will show you 
a land. I'll show you a place. He comes to Isaac, he talks about land. He goes to Jacob, talks about land. He comes to Joseph, talks about land. God, eh? He's a property owing God. Ah, you didn't hear me. I am seeing landlords here. If you build that top relationship with him, I'm seeing landlords here. Oh, oh, he's a property owing God. Oh. He searches for place for you where you will pitch your tent. Up to now, the battles the Jews are fighting is about taking lands. God created the earth, put us here, and gave all of us places to pitch our tent. May you find your place. May you find your place. Can I prophesy on you that it shall not be long? I should build solid relationship with him, and as you get to know him. He will open your eyes and you will see the place where you will pitch your tent. I declare this upon you and I make this declaration of, over you. Let it happen for you. If you believe it, shout the loudest, Amen. Our God is not a decreasing God. He is an ever-increasing God. You cannot serve him and decrease. When you serve him, you increase. He is not a retrogressing God. He is a progressive God. You cannot serve him and retrogress. If you serve him well, you progress. I, I am sick. I'm giving you conditional prophecies. I'm telling you what to do for that to happen. If he goes ahead of you and you don't follow. When he finds a place for you to pitch your tent, you will not be there. So I'm taking you to one place. I'm pointing you to one place. The word. The word. The word. The word. Read it every day. Pray with it every day. See Jesus in the word. Every day. Every day. And see what your life will become someday. You do these things every day. And one day, your life changes. God bless you. I love you all.